Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. one of the biggest sporting events in the world. And today, we're giving you an inside look at the teams and playoff pictures to date. As we present Atlanta Soccer Tonight. It's okay now. The goalkeeper's beaten, and South Africa has their first goal. Listen as Jason Longshore gives you all the latest in the world of soccer. As we break down the matchups and get you insights you can only find here. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9, The Game, and the Odyssey app. Thanks for hanging out with us late, late night after NFL football, getting ready for the World Cup Final. I'm Jason Longshore. Jessica Charman will be back with us tomorrow night to put a bow on the tournament. We're less than 10 hours away from this World Cup final between Argentina and France. As big as it gets, if you love this game, if you've been sucked in by this tournament, you're in for a treat tomorrow. This is really when you started to look at the different permutations of who could meet in the final this is one of the matches that really kind of captures the imagination. It is a rematch from the last World Cup in the knockout round, round of 16, in a match that that many will tell you is one of the craziest, wildest matches that they've ever seen. France beat Argentina 4-3 in that one, multiple golosos. Just a wild back-and-forth affair that was very unFrench-like in their run to the title in 2018. And maybe the best match Argentina played in the 2018 tournament. It was a a very dysfunctional Argentina team in 2018. They have bounced back in a big way led by Lionel Scaloni, and he gets them to his first World Cup final as a player or as a manager. Didier Deschamps on the other side for France has won the World Cup as a player and has won the World Cup as a manager. He might go into a very elite category along with Pelé the only person who has three World Cup titles either as a player or a manager Deschamps could be the first one to have two as a manager and one as a player let's get caught up on what's going on with France because there's been a lot of stories about you know what are we going to see from France on the field tomorrow a new one that popped up today and Leia Keep was the one who broke this Olivier Giroud is dealing with a knee injury. He is questionable to play in the final. Doesn't mean he won't start. They don't really know, but there is a knee issue that he is dealing with. He did train at least for a little bit 
in their last training session. That was a very light session anyway. If Giroud is not available or has to be replaced early, the question for Deschamps comes down to two players from the Bundesliga, Marcus Taram, who we have seen in the tournament, and Randall Kolomwani, who we've also seen in the tournament, who scored with his first touch after 44 seconds in the semifinal against Morocco. Kolomwani has had a great season with Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga. Five goals and nine assists so far in the first half of the season. Marcus Taram is probably the more likely replacement for Giroud. And either one of those, more likely if it's Taram, that would probably move Mbappe into the middle and really change the conversation about how Argentina deals with Mbappe. We'll get into some keys to the match and how Argentina might do that here in just a bit. The other big health check when it comes to France is the cold and flu issues that the squad has been dealing with. Deschamps got great news today. Full complement of players training ahead of the final. Um, Keep did reveal as well that Deschamps did test out a different center-back pairing than maybe you would have expected if everybody's available. Dayoupa Makano and Ibrahim Konate were paired together. And that's maybe a little bit of a contingency in case Rafael Varane is still not 100% and ready to go. I think it's going to be Varane, and it probably should be Konate, but it's likely going to be Upa Makano. Konate, I think, has been the better of the two in his minutes, but Upa Makano has been the typical starter alongside Varane. So there are still some questions when it comes to what this French lineup is going to look like. Now, you are getting some players back that weren't available in the semifinal as well. And typically you keep rolling with the hot hand. Now, neither one of these managers have necessarily done that in this tournament. Mentioned that Upa Makano was out for the semifinal. Adrian Rabio in the midfield was also out. I would expect him to come back into the team if he's ready to go. Yusuf Fofana replaced him in the semifinal and was okay, but not good enough to keep Rabio out. Konate was good enough to keep Upamecano out, but will he? That's the question for Didier Deschamps. Now, we talked a lot about tactics last night and players to watch. Let's talk about the two managers in this one because I, I think their personalities are really reflected in their teams, and it's important to get to know these two who are on the touchline. Let's start with the defending champ, Didier Deschamps. When he was speaking to the media today, he understands that the majority of soccer fans worldwide are rooting for Argentina and rooting for Leo Messi to win his first World Cup. Deschamps understands that. He said, I'm fine being alone in the world. It doesn't bother me. Now, he's also a little bit salty when it comes to all the questions about uh, Karim Benzema coming back into the team. He's not. Um, he was injured before the tournament was not dropped from the official roster, has been training a little bit back at Real Madrid, but it's been a little bit of a cat and mouse game. I don't know if he was going to play or if he was going to come back and at least be with the squad. It doesn't sound like he's going to be there at all. And Deschamps is kind of sick of asking, being asked about it um, when he was in this this most recent press conference. Uh, he said, if, if I don't answer, you'll say I'm blanked off. So he's kind of sick of it. Um, he said, I have players who have been injured before. Kareem is one of them. The last to be injured is Lucas Hernandez. Since then, I have 24 players to manage, and you know them. 
to ask the question vis-a-vis these players, if I may say so, is at least clumsy, if not a little more. Then he was asked a little bit further about, well, what about these guys? Are they going to come back? Are they going to be there to support their their teammates, former teammates, current teammates, however you want to put it? Are they going to be there to support the national team? He said, I don't take care of the invitations of players, former players or injured players. I don't know who will be there. Very different approach to how Argentina is handling things. We'll get into that. Now, Deschamps, if you don't know him as a player, he was described as a water carrier by Eric Cantona. Eric Cantona is uh, very colorful with how he likes to describe people maybe that he doesn't like so much. Uh, Deschamps, a very different personality than Cantona. Uh, Deschamps was a a, a kind of workman-like player. Um, came up as a, as a striker. Could have played anywhere on the field, really, because of his soccer IQ, but he ended up playing in the holding midfield. And if he wins this with France, he will have a legitimate claim to being one of the most decorated men in the history of the game with two World Cups as a manager, one as a player. It's been an incredible journey, and Deschamps doesn't really get enough credit. And I think the reason he doesn't get enough credit is his teams are not really all that showy. They're, they're, they're not teams that capture your imagination. It's not to say that they're boring. I don't think that's fair, but they're very controlled. And I, I think Deschamps is not about the glitz, the glamour, the, the headlines. He's about winning. And, and look, that's different than some previous French teams in, in the past that, that had players who did capture your imagination whether it was Zinedine Zidane or Thierry Henry or Eric Cantona or David Ginola. I mean, there's so many that you're like, oh, wow, the French, they're an amazing team to watch. This team, even with the Kylian Mbappe and Antoine Griezmann and Ousmane Dembele, not the prettiest to watch, but they are more attractive to watch than they were in 2018 when they won the title. And that's something you have to give Deschamps credit for matching up with where this team has kind of evolved to. You know, he hasn't shifted Mbappe back into more of a defensive role, even with Teo Hernandez having to come into the team at left back, who's more of an attacking left back. He's just kind of rolled with it and adjusted. If there's a a common thread between these two managers, it is that. It is adjusting. Deschamps has had a ton of injuries to deal with. He's made it work. He's got his team to the final. He's made the necessary moves, even if they're not huge ones in terms of the shape, in terms of the the overall tactics, but he's pushed the right buttons to get France to the final. I didn't know if they'd get out of the group because of the injuries, and it's just an incredible job by Didier Deschamps to get them to this point. I think what Lionel Scaloni has done with Argentina is equally incredible. This is a manager who had no experience as a first-team manager before taking the Argentina job. He is a very different personality than Deschamps. He is very emotional. He wears his heart on his sleeve when he's speaking. Not on the bench so much. You see you see the reaction to goals and, and everybody else is going nuts and he's kind of thinking a couple steps ahead of what he has to do. But after games, when he's speaking about his players, when he's speaking about his hometown, and he got a chance to to speak to people there today. You could see the tears. Um, he's a very emotional guy. He, he was asked about 
you know, just his feelings coming into this game. He said, I'm already getting emotional because they have given everything sincerely talking about his players. He said, let's hope we win the title tomorrow. And if they, if we can't, they should be proud because the truth is that it is a moment to enjoy. The biggest thing he said that I think sums up his mentality as a manager, uh, he said, our way of playing goes beyond the system. The way we are going to play will be the way we think we can do the most damage to the rival and what and protect what they can do best to us. They will shift the formation. They might play five in the back tomorrow. That's what it's sounding like he's going to go with. They played a 4-4-2 with a box in the midfield, four central midfielders against Croatia. They played five in the back against the Netherlands. He will rotate the pieces around in the different shapes to get what he feels he needs to get out of the match. That's really tough to do at this stage of a tournament. That's really tough to do with a big squad, but he's got the complete buy-in of all of his players. As a player, Scaloni was a very, very good player, one that you might not have known a ton about. He only had seven caps with Argentina. He was part of the 2006 World Cup squad, along with a young Lionel Messi. Uh, Played over 200 games in La Liga, spent some time on loan in the Premier League, started his career at Newell's Old Boys, like so many great Argentines did again, like Lionel Messi did in the academy at Newell's before he went to Barcelona. He was an assistant with Jorge Sampaoli, first at Sevilla, and then followed him to the national team. And when he got the opportunity with the national team, nobody else wanted it. You were coming off of Sampaoli, who was a mess in 2018 at the World Cup. The team was a mess. Sampaoli was struggling with the pressure. Everything was falling apart. Scaloni was part of his staff. He ended up working with the U-20s after that, and he was preparing for a, a, a match with the U-20s in Spain when he got the call that we need you to take over the, the first team for a couple of games. That couple of games turned into a couple more games, and it turned into a couple more games. Then it turned into the 2019 Copa America, where he got the team to third place. He's the youngest manager at this World Cup. He is, is somebody who, when people are asked about him, people that know him, the word empathy comes up a lot. And I think when we go back to being able to get the best out of the players that he has, being able to get them to do a different job maybe each game, get them to understand that, hey, you're not in the team for this game, but we might need you in the team for the next game. We might need you off the bench in this game. He understands that, and he's able to empathize with his players. I think he was also able to empathize with the suffering that they had gone through. You know, you go back to 2019, that Copa America had ended with Lionel Messi getting red carded in the third place game, uh, which is not typical. He, he was about to come to blows with Gary Medell of Chile, And I think Scaloni has been one of the few managers who has really been able to truly connect with Lionel Messi. Very different careers, uh, very different personalities, but they have been able to connect. And that's a credit to Scaloni and and just him as an individual. He's got a great staff with Pablo Aymar, who was Messi's idol uh, as a kid, uh, Walter Samuel and, and Roberto Ayala. Messi said about this staff, he said, we have a great technical staff that leave nothing to chance. When they tell you something is going to happen before a game, it happens. That is doing your homework. So Argentina is going to come into this completely prepared 
for anything that France can throw at them. They're also going to come in maybe a little fired up, maybe not quite as fired up as they were against the Netherlands, but a little fired up because of some things that Kylian Mbappe said back in the summer. Now, he was asked about the, the differences between European nations and then South American nations at the World Cup, and he said European nations are better prepared because they play high-level matches all the time. And he said that Argentina and Brazil do not face the same level of competition. Emiliano Martinez, who is one to definitely fire back at people who say things that might be disrespectful. Uh, Emiliano Martinez says he doesn't know enough about football. He never played in South America. When you don't have this experience, it may be better not to talk about it. But it doesn't matter. We're a great team recognized as such. Argentina doesn't need much to get that chip on their shoulder. They don't need much to get fired up, as we saw in that quarterfinal against the Dutch. I don't think this game is going to come in with that much vitriol. But it is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Now, when we come back in, in our, our second segment of the show, we'll get into some keys to the match. We'll dig in a little bit about what you need to be on the watch for in this match some areas of the field that are very important but also some potential surprises because i don't think this is going to be an easy match for either team involved i i think it will be a very stressful day for anybody who is emotionally connected to this game and as you guys know by now uh, i am a little emotionally connected to this game being somebody who's followed argentina since 1986 and really falling in love with the game due to the Albi Celeste. So I'm a little bit of a mess as we're a little over nine hours to go before kickoff as we, we do the show right now. We're going to catch, I'm going to catch my breath. We're going to come back. We're going to give you all the keys to the game, things to watch for and big potential surprises in this one. We'll be right back with more Atlanta soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, getting you ready for the World Cup final here in just a few hours. I think that's a, a fair way to put it at this point, a little over nine hours away, Argentina and France to finish off the 2022 World Cup. It's been a really entertaining 
tournament on the field. Uh, we saw the third place match today. Croatia gets the two one win over Morocco. A wild start to this one with two goals in the first 10 minutes. Josko Vardial, who, uh, spoiler alert, will be in my team of the tournament. Um, the 20 year old, a great recovery from Messi putting him on a poster in the semifinal. He has a diving header to open the scoring. Ashraf Dari equalized two minutes later for Morocco. And Mislav Orsic with the eventual winner in the 42nd minute. Croatia gets that win. And it sounds like this Croatian generation is not necessarily all leaving right away. Luka Modric um, intends to play through the Nations League next year, maybe into the Euros in 2024. That would put him up to 39 years old. He's still doing it at a high level. So, hey, go for it if you can, Luka. Ivan Perisic, Dejan Lovren, they've been around for a long time. Lovren's already said he's not going to continue until the 2026 World Cup. I'd be surprised if Perisic does, but they do have a lot of young players coming through, and Vardiol is one of those. Croatia, a small nation, is a prime example of how you can build a team that can continue to replenish itself. Out of the, the smaller countries in the tournament, Croatia is the one that has been the most impressive over the last few, obviously, with back-to-back semifinal appearances, a final in 18, a third place here in 22. This is a country with a population of around 4 million people. So when you look at what you know, countries like the U.S. need to do to get to that level, how Croatia has done it, and, and I think the way that they've trained a lot of their players at very young ages on the technical side, the individual skill, those foundational elements have given those players a big opportunity to continue to progress. Get those things right. If you're the U.S., if you're other countries as well, Canada, Mexico has to go back to the drawing board. Really, the majority of, of countries in the world can look to what Croatia has done and be very impressed and also learn from it. That's the next step. Croatia now has to try to stay in this conversation. It's tough for a smaller country to do it, but back-to-back semifinal appearances, very few countries in the world can put that on their resume. Let's get into the keys to the final, Argentina and France. First one for me is who's going to grab control of this game first. France is a pretty passive team defensively. I don't think they necessarily seek control of games i think they like to play off of what the opponent does they kind of gave the game to morocco in a lot of ways in the semi-final morocco maybe out of their comfort zone and having to carry the play did well with it but you saw their their limitations in the final third and i think france knew that and knew that they would be better served to try to hit morocco on the break i don't expect that to change here it just it, it doesn't feel like we've seen anything truly different from France in this tournament. So I think Argentina has control of the game. I think they'll dictate the game. But will they do something with that control? And that's ultimately the key. I, I think a lot of times when when we talk about controlling a game, whether it's Atlanta United or, or Argentina at the World Cup, control doesn't always equal dominance. Control doesn't always equal winning. Control is really kind of dictating the way the game goes. 
some teams end up being better off without that control and being a reactive team, a, a counterattacking team, for example. And I think France is best suited to do that. Killing Mbappe gives them the ultimate weapon in the counter. And it's not just because he's fast. It's his ability on the dribble. It's where he picks up the ball in spaces. It's his vision as well, his passing, creating chances for others. The, the Dembele and Mbappe combination is the most productive combination in the tournament so far in terms of chances created. Those are the two wingers for France. They're great on the break. That's what suits them. I think Argentina grabs control. I think France tries to hit them with the counterpunch. Argentina has to be productive with the control. France has never lost a game that they've led at halftime in a World Cup. 26 wins now and one draw when they've led at halftime. It's essential for Argentina to get that first goal if they're going to take care of this. Now, I do think this is a French team that is maybe a little bit weaker defensively than what we saw in 2018. This is a team that has given up some goals in this tournament that'll make you scratch your head a little bit. So if they do get the lead, I don't think Argentina is going to pack it in or anything, but you don't want to have to chase the game against France because when you get into that scenario, they're just as likely to score another goal against you than you are to find the equalizer. That's the way the French play. I think the area of the field that's going to determine who wins this is the French left side and the Argentine right side. Two reasons. The French left side, Teo Hernandez is the left back. Dangerous attacker. He's had some issues defensively. Killing Mbappe, if Olivier Giroud plays, Mbappe is the left winger for France. It's a very high-risk, high-reward side because they're going to score goals from that side if Mbappe is the left winger they're also potentially going to give up goals from that side because that's the side of the field where Argentina is dangerous. Nahuel Molina, who had that goal against the Dutch on the pass from Lionel Messi, if he's the wing back in Argentina's 5-3-2 or 3-5-2, he's dangerous getting forward as we've seen. He's He seemingly just doesn't get tired running up and down that flank. And Messi likes to drift to the right side of the Argentine setup. That's where he likes to pick up the ball, cutting inside on his left foot. If you go back and look at the area of the field where he has his average touch in a World Cup match, it's remarkably similar in all five tournaments that he's played in. And it's really right of center in kind of the on the edge of the attacking third all five tournaments that's where he picks up the ball most often that's where he gets the majority of his touches that's where i think he's going to try to hurt france in this game julian alvarez as well will make runs to try to exploit weaknesses in the opponent and that's another key for the, in this game for me is julian alvarez's movement off the ball i think argentina is one of the few teams in this tournament that has really tried to get runners in behind opposing defenses. Now, it won't be easy against France because they're not going to give you a lot of space in behind. They're a fairly conservative defensive setup, but Alvarez's movement creates opportunity for other players in this Argentine side, especially the number 10 that we all know about. For France, I think their key player 
it's not killing Mbappe. It's Antoine Griezmann because he might be asked to do some different things in this game, depending on where it goes. We saw against Morocco, he sat deeper. And a lot of that was because they didn't have Rabio in the midfield. And Fafana did as well of a job as he possibly could, but he's not Rabio. He doesn't have that experience. Griezmann sat deeper. He led the team in pressures in that match. Not something you would normally associate with Antoine Griezmann. He might have to do that here at times, but the, but France will want to get him forward into dangerous areas because he is their playmaker. He is their creative spark, and he's the wild card that interprets space really well. He will see it. He will get into that space and receive the ball where it can start to open up the opposing defense. Griezmann will have to do a number of different things in this final. But he's going to have to contribute on both sides of the ball, I think, for France to be successful. Now, we know Lionel Messi is going to be the biggest factor when it comes to Argentina. Uh, Emiliano Martinez, who spoke to the media today, it's kind of a good luck charm at this point for Argentina. Uh, Dibu speaks to the media before the final. He, he did it before the Copa America. He did it before the finalissima against Italy in the summer. And he did it again today. He talked about Messi at the Copa America and said that he was exceptional. He was one of the best players that he'd ever seen in a tournament at that tournament. He said at the World Cup, he's even better. Um, he said it gives energy to the whole squad. Messi's excited. He's full of joy. It helps us very much. Uh, Maurizio Pochettino, former manager of Tottenham, former manager of Lionel Messi with PSG, Pochettino, a uh, great column that he wrote at The Athletic, highly recommended. Go read it. But the, the quote that jumped out to me said he was talking to Mario Kempis, who won the World Cup for Argentina in 1978, uh, was talking to Jorge Valdano, who won the World Cup with Argentina in 1986, about Messi and, and this team and, and how it reminds him of 1986. He said it feels like a similar history. The team understood that if they built the team around the best player in the world, Diego Maradona then, Lionel Messi now, then everything would be possible. And that's what Argentina's done. And yeah, they run for him. Yeah, they do everything to set him up with his touches to maximize their impact because he's the best player in the tournament right now. He's been amazing at 35 years old in this tournament. And if he has a big day tomorrow, it's going to be very hard for France to keep up. It's just how it's been. Kylian Mbappe, if he has a big day, it's going to be very difficult for Argentina to keep up. I think that's why they're playing uh, five in the back, because I think they just want bodies to be able to deal with Mbappe and Dembele and Giroud. Now, the question comes if, and, and this is where Scaloni is going to have to react or maybe take an educated guess. Um, if Giroud doesn't start and Mbappe plays through the middle, uh, France's team is a little different. Um, I think they're still effective. I, I think they're maybe more effective if he's coming off the flank. But I think they're, it just it changes the paradigm a little bit. Taram might sit a little bit more on that left side, try to help Teo Hernandez. That side might be a little bit stronger defensively for France if Mbappe's not there. And if Taram kind of sits deeper to allow Mbappe to be up top, maybe by himself more on those breaks and try to beat Argentina with pace, does that allow Argentina to push Lisandro Martinez, who it sounds like is coming into this match? Does uh, Licha, does he push into the midfield a little bit more, which he's capable of? 
the chess match here gets interesting, and that Giroud rumor about not being able to go in the final and Mbappe likely going into the middle, it gets really fascinating with the chess piece. But this game, more than likely, will come down to a moment of magic from one of the number 10s because they're the two of the best players in the world. Lionel Messi is a legend, one of the greatest players who's ever played soccer. Kylian Mbappe's career is obviously set up to be that. He might be one of the youngest players to have two World Cups at the end of the day tomorrow. It's incredible. And contribute in both of those games. Because I don't think France wins if he's quiet tomorrow. I don't. I, I think Griezmann's the most important. But I think they need something out of Mbappe, especially if Giroud is an injury concern. Potential surprises. I'll give you four players to keep an eye on. Two for each team. I mentioned Randall Colo Mwani. He is in such good form. He would be the ultimate wild card if he starts up top and Mbappe stays on the left because Colomani is a very different kind of forward than Olivier Giroud. It gives France even more pace against an Argentine backline. Look, that's not the fastest in the world. Colomani would be a gutsy call from Didier Deschamps. I think he'd probably go with Taram and move Mbappe into the middle. That's the safer move, and that really plays to Deschamps' strengths. But Randall Colomani. If he doesn't start coming off the bench at some point in this match, he will be a handful for Argentina. And it's not purely about goal scoring for him. Nine assists with Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga this year. Kingsley Coman is the other potential surprise when it comes to France, because I could see them if they're chasing the game. If Argentina gets the lead, Coman coming in as a right fullback. He's played it some. He's played as a wingback some as well when they've played a line of five. He can also come onto the wing for Dembele if that side needs to be refreshed. Um, incredible pace, incredible experience at the highest level. Kingsley Coman could be a real wild card as an attacking right back if France is chasing the game. On the Argentine side, Nicolas Taliafico at left back or left wing back or potentially coming in as just a, an additional defender if for some reason they do start with a line of four. It sounds like Argentina is going to be in a line of five. Taliafico is not expected to start, but this is a grinder. His career has been always about getting every ounce of quality out of him. Just an incredible player. I think he's had a great tournament, and I think he could be one to help kind of see this game out if Argentina needs it. But if they got to go chase something, Angel Di Maria is supposed to be as close to 100% as he's been in the tournament. He's been impactful in spurts. He can come in and provide magic. And as we saw in the Copa America final in the summer of 2021, he can also score big goals. He had the goal that won the Copa America. He can create and score. Di Maria would be that attacking wild card for Argentina if they need it. Now, I think the, the biggest thing that this game is going to turn on, though, is emotion. And it's the difference between the two teams. France is a very kind of stoic team at times. I think a team that is is conservative by nature, and it's, it's really the, the nature of their manager, Didier Deschamps. Argentina is the exact opposite. They are very emotional. They, at times, are frenetic. At times, they're, they're maybe too emotional, as we've seen in this tournament. The thing about this Argentine team, I think, is the connection within it. And Rodrigo DePaul on Instagram today talking about their last tournament, the last training session, 
he said the most important achievement is that we were able to overcome every barrier and reach every house to give them a moment of happiness, something to smile about, an excuse to hug. And above all that, we feel very proud of the country where we were born. There is a lot of national pride for this Argentine side, and that is going to drive them in this game. I, I think Scaloni has found the way to get a team of friends playing together on the pitch and get the most out of them and fighting for each other. I'll go on the record with a prediction. I think it's going to be a 3-2 Argentina win in a final that we're talking about for decades. The last final like that was 1986. Argentina won that. I think they have the better attacking team versus the French defense. I think the French attack is great. But Argentine's defense has been very underrated. I don't think they'll keep France off the board, but I think Argentina will find a way to get it done. We'll be back tomorrow night after NFL football to compare notes on how my prediction went, and we'll put a bow on the tournament. Make sure you're subscribed to the Off the Woodwork podcast. That's where you'll get all of our podcasts. We're going to have more stuff after this tournament as well. Monday, we'll wrap everything up with our teams of the tournament and awards and all of that. Thanks for hanging out with me late night. Get some sleep and then kickoff is at 10 o'clock. Argentina and France will be back tomorrow night to talk about it. Adios, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.